Hi FM, your station of choice since 2008. Joining us on the line now, our correspondent from Israel, Zina Rakamitlova, who's a correspondent and columnist for the Jerusalem Post. Zina, good afternoon to you and thank you for joining us. Good afternoon. Thank you for having me. Great to have you on board, Zina. So it's day 76 of the war in Israel. So updates about the three hostages. Uh, What can you tell us? Yes. So um, there are more developments coming from this tragedy. And it's important that they do because we need to learn from mistakes like this. Um, A reminder is that last Friday, when the IDF was operating in the Shajaya area of Gaza, um, an area, by the way, which was cleared of civilians, and in an area that the IDF was attacked in just hours prior to the incident, uh, IDF troops mistakenly identified three people as Hamas terrorists and shot them dead, only to then later discover that they were in fact three Israeli hostages. Um, What we know now is that there was some type of intel about the hostages that never made it to the idea of troops that were operating in that area. And had they known, they probably would have treated the situation mm. differently. A uh, commander who was involved in, whose job it is rather, to locate the hostages um, had believed that the three men were together, but thought that they were being held by Hamas terrorists, which they were initially. Um, Those terrorists were actually killed by Golani fighters, which is why the three hostages were able to escape and were, you know, more or less on the loose. the intelligence didn't get to the commanders and had they known that there were hostages in the area they wouldn't have overlooked the banners um, in Hebrew that the three hostages had hung um, in the house and they would have notified the people that were in the higher ups so despite the fact that they were carrying white flags um, they were shot and this is something that is actually a violation of the IDF's rules of engagement Mm. Um, the Ramatkal rather the IDF chief of staff Halevi he had gone into Gaza after the incident and delivered a very powerful speech you can actually see it online it was translated by the IDF into English Um, he addressed soldiers and he had said that the IDF needs to be more careful when we're operating that ignoring a white flag is against the IDF code of conduct and that whether these were Israeli hostages or Gazans makes no difference. This is not what the IDF does. And so that um, is a little bit comforting to know the moral high ground that the IDF takes um, in these tragic situations. And a little bit of other words of comfort is that Iris Chaim, who is the mother of Yotam Chaim, um, one of the hostages who were mistakenly shot, actually sent a recorded message to soldiers um, saying that she doesn't blame them for what happened and that she understands that mm. this entirely falls um, in, under Hamas, that they are responsible for this, and that she expects soldiers to look after themselves in these situations. So that 
should be our takeaway mm-hmm. is that they should have never been in Gaza in the first place, as well as the fact that Israel owned up to what happened. This could have easily been something that they covered up, but the IDF actually was the one that released it to the public. So this is something that needs to be considered when we talk about the moral responsibility of all the parties involved. Sure. Zina, in the, in the past, um, Hamas has actually used such, uh, shall we say, foul tactics to give the impression, you know, while using a white flag and uh, civilians dress like civilians to like con the 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 forces into into a trap correct and that's why um i mentioned earlier that that area was actually cleared of civilians Mm. so the only people that were engaging the idf were terrorists and there was um there were terrorist hours prior that had tried to launch an attack towards the idf so it's only natural for them to have assumed that this was a threat Mm -hmm. Zina, let's move on to updates on the hostage deal. What are we dealing with at the moment? Well, so there are new developments um, since we spoke yesterday. Um, Hamas has rejected Israel's proposal for a week-long truce in Gaza. Israel had offered it in return to release about 40 hostages, including women and children, as well as any elderly male hostages who required um, urgent medical care. Mm -hmm. Essentially, Hamas and Islamic Jihad are demanding that Israel completely halts its military operation in the Gaza Strip before they even begin to discuss a potential deal. And this is something that Israel cannot do. Something important to note that this time around, Palestinian Islamic Jihad is actually involved in the discussions for the first time. Okay. And for those that don't, yeah, and it's it, it is um, it is concerning because for anyone who doesn't understand the difference between both the terror groups, um, you know, both of them are Iranian-backed terror proxies. Both of them have the common goal of destroying Israel, but they do differ in their organizational structure and ideological uh, foundations. Hamas is both a military group as well as a political terror group. They're involved in governing the Gaza Strip, although they do so very, very poorly, um, versus Islamic Jihad is essentially Iran in Gaza. They're primarily focused on armed resistance. Um, And so they are not a helpful addition to the the discussions here. Um, Actually, there was a report earlier that I read that Islamic Jihad actually demanded that Israel free all the Palestinian prisoners in release for the, in exchange for the remaining Israeli hostages, something Israel will not do. So it seems that we've reached a stalemate, which is something that I anyone could have seen. Um, sure. However, nothing is final. Things are still going to be developing. Um, we're definitely we definitely have to see what international pressure can do at this time, because Israel will not just stop the fighting just for the discussions to start. Who knows how long Hamas will come to the negotiating table and agree and whatever. So it's just not a possibility. But I do want to point something out that's very important is that those chanting for a ceasefire now and any country who voted for it at the UN, in my opinion, they have enabled this and they have made Hamas feel like they have the upper hand here and they're delaying the release of the hostages as a result. And so it would seem, uh, Zina, speaking of hostages and of course what led to this uh, tragic war that's going on at the moment, the question is now who takes responsibility for October the 7th? 
Yeah, this is a tough one. And Mm. it's a question that everybody has wanted an answer to since the start of the war. And what we've been told by Israeli politicians is this is a discussion for later. Right now, we have to focus on Hamas, which we all took in the beginning. um, And it's now day 76 and people want answers. Um, Many, actually, many families who have loved ones that are hostages in Gaza, I've heard from a lot of them here, and they have said that the fact that we were living in this clouded reality of how um, Israel's security system was in place meant that initially when this all happened, they didn't believe that it could happen. And so it took everyone really a while to process the full scale of what was going on. Um, I heard from the family of Omer Shemtov. He's a 23-year-old um, with asthma in, that's now a hostage in Gaza. And his dad had asked him prior to like what had happened to him is share your location with me share your location with me i want to see like what's going on and his son was the the location was like jolting at first and then as it went towards gaza his dad wanted to call him to say you're driving the wrong way and even as it entered gaza he's like no 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 someone stole his phone because this is impossible how could it be possible there's no way we have this wall we have this technology we have this army we have this power like like that's how in the clouds we all were when it came to like what was going on Um, I think for all of us, our faith in not the troops that protect us, but the army as an organization and the government's ability to protect us shattered on October 7th. And what we really do understand is that the, the biggest takeaway that we have in terms of who is responsible, how did this happen, is that one... Um, the security that we had in place was not ready for such a high-level breach. Um, and two, all of the country, every single civilian, we underestimated Hamas's capabilities. Indeed. In my opinion, there's no point in laying the blame yet or mm, to mm, mm. push any conspiracy theories that I've heard, you know, that this is yeah. an inside job, that, you know, they're, they're, sure, yeah. I've been hearing so many conspiracy theories. And... Um, until there is actual information about an investigation or details of what was overlooked that has been presented to the public, fanning the flames of these conspiracy theories is just not productive. Indeed, I will have. say, yeah, I will say that the that almost every single high-level military security personnel and government official has taken responsibility, even Naftali Bennett. Um, and so I think that's very yeah, important sure. here. Zina, Zina, I'm sorry, we we're going to have to leave it there. Thank you so much for joining us this afternoon to bring us a full uh, update as to what's happening in Israel. And we look forward to chatting to you while Nicholas will be chatting to you next week on Monday. That's our Israeli correspondent, uh, Zina Rakamilova, and columnist for the Jerusalem Post. It's day 73 of the war in Israel. So that's what's happening in Israel at the moment, as Zina has told us.